I am still on tour, but I have had to cancel some dates. I apologize. Trip flips back into production. But I am doing a call-in sick to work show in Edmonton, Canada. At the Westhead Mall, the comic strip, I will go do radio. I will then get drunk. I will go straight to the club at 11 a.m. and do a show. Today's guest from CBS, from Chelsea Lately, stand-up comedian Michael Yo. This is... Yeah, check, 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 Perfect. check. Yeah, uh, Gabri- Gabby Reese. You yeah. know Gabby Reese? Uh-huh. She turned me on to kombucha. You can hold it or you can put it like that. Norton held it, held or put the mic like that. But Where? just make sure, yeah, or you can hold it. Yeah. Just so it's close to your face. Sure. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Fucker. So tired of getting notes on this podcast from fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, they run it, man. They do. They, they do. do. It's interesting. I had no intri- I had no insight that my fandom to say Garo Upremian as a place kicker for the fucking box when I was a kid. Yeah. My insights would have affected his career at all. But think about how much fans affect talent like like Oh yeah. Well I, you know I do a podcast with Joe Coy, man, and we miss one episode. People lose if you miss one in a week, they lose their shit. Wait, are you Filipino too? No, I'm half Korean. Okay. All yeah, right. I'm black. So pretty much Filipino. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. The uh, I'm obsessed with Dave Batista. Wait, the name sounds Dave Batista. Why He's do I not know this professional wrestler? Yes, He's in the new movie Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't seen it. But he's Filipino. Oh, okay, gotcha. And like Filipino is an interesting, like it's an interesting group of people who are massively like nationally proud. Oh yeah, like oh. it's it, it's bizarre, like. With, I, I'd say I'll say this with Koreans. Cause I have a lot of Korean friends. What Korean friends? Koreans, Koreans are more, aren't loyal. Yeah, it's it, like no. either like Vietnamese or like, yeah. The Asians kind of split off, but the, the Filipinos. Filipinos. Fucking, here's the thing: is I've never been. Well, I, I compare them to like uh, Latins. Yeah. You know, if you're like you know they they break off to like Cubans don't like Mexicans. Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. Like, well, you you were you were from I was Miami. in Miami. Yeah. yeah. Do not call a Cuban Mexican. Oh man, they dog. They dog Mexicans worse than like normal people. They're like yep. Cubans will be like, no, I'm not a Mex. They clean my yard. You know, they have a Latin person say that. I'm like, holy crap. My buddy Eddie mm-hmm. Fernandez. I wrote him about him in my book, but he's uh-huh. he's uh, he's Cuban, but he's kind of a interesting. You know, it's so funny how little I listen to people because I don't really know if I know he's Cuban, but he's also from like El Salvador, or San Salvador. Uh huh. Um, his dad was like uh, a doctor and came over, and it's kind of confusing. However, yeah. <laughs> the point is, he's not Mexican. That's yes. the point of the story because his mom gave him a red fleece for okay. Christmas one year. Yeah. So like right after Christmas, we're back in LA. He's wearing his red fleece. And we're standing outside. Uh, Guys, I think was the name of the bar. Yeah. And a girl pulled up and saw my buddy Eddie, who's Latino, in a red fleece, and threw her keys to him. And he lost his shit. Well, as he should. He goes, "Whoa, do you think no?" But he not because he was in a valet, because she thought he was Mexican. <laughs> he was like, "You think I'm fucking Mexican?" And oh, I, was yeah. like, I go, "Eddie, calm down. They're right here." Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I I dealt with that, you know, because my stand up is a lot about my true life. Like, yeah. I grew up in Houston, Texas, all white school. So, like, you know, everybody dropped the n word when I was growing up, and they and they called me and they called me my my nickname in school was nigga chank. Like they would call me Nigga Chank, and really, and it was so black funny. people, right? 
No, everybody. Really? That was like nigga chank, nigga chank. Like people would make fun of me. And what was so funny about my mentality, I would get so mad about it because I wasn't Chinese. I wasn't a chank. Oh, so like I didn't care about the end part. I was, hey, I'm Korean. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not Chinese. I'm wait, wait, what did you think when Tiger, remember a long time ago when Tiger's like, I'm not just African American, I'm also Asian. I, dude, I, I have a crazy story. I had lunch with him two Hold weeks. on. I had lunch two weeks after he said that on Oprah. Yes, it's a true story. I had lunch with him, and uh, it was a random accident. He was like, let's have lunch. I was working at the place, and he said, let's have lunch. We have something in common, obviously. So we sat there, and I said, why didn't you just say you were black? And he said, if I said I was black, I'd be disrespecting my mom, and she's Thai. Yeah. And I love my mom just as much as I love my dad. So I'm half black and Asian. And then I totally related because growing up, I was always confused. I didn't know if I was black or Asian. Yeah. You know what I mean? Literally, if I hung out with black kids, Asian kids got pissed. If I hung out with Asian kids, black kids got pissed. Why well, I like white kids so much, they didn't care what I was. Yeah. You know, they were, they were just, just like, happy to have a minority friend. No, no, they were like, they were hey, like we got one. We're, we can, <laughs> we're not bad people. We're good. Pick him on the team. He'll yeah. score. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just, it was crazy though. That's, so wait, how did you meet Tiger Woods? I was I was working at a bar club at like eighteen years old because we're about the same age, uh, eighteen nineteen years old, and he was a professional golfer. Maybe in my maybe early maybe twenty twenty one. I can't remember the exact time, but he came in because he was flying around so much, and he came to a dinner he was supposed to have like three hours early, and I was there, and I was sort of like managing at that time because it was the slow time, and it was like hey. Uh, yeah, my time is off, and it's like, I don't want to eat alone. You want to grab something to eat with me, grab a drink? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I'm sitting there with Tiger Woods after he won the Masters. Big deal to me, but now that I look back on it, I mean, that was a huge moment in my life. It's just crazy. Nobody, yeah. I mean, you had a drink and food with Tiger Woods one-on-one and had a conversation with him. It's, it's amazing when I look back on it. I'd pay a lot of money to have that A moment. lot of people would. I, I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. People, I heard someone shitting on golf the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was uh, not the other day. It was today. Jim Norton's uh, mm-hmm. po- uh, new show on Vice came out, uh-huh. and he was interviewing Dana White and Mike Tyson, and he asked them if they play golf, and they literally shit on golf. I love golf, and I love watching golf. Like Do I you really, I love golf. I, I got to tell you, I love watching golf when Tiger plays. If he's not playing well, I can't watch. Other, I don't know. He just brings some excitement. Did you? Did you hear? There was a report that came out. That said, if he doesn't play in a Masters, it's down almost sixty percent in ratings. Oh, I bet that's crazy. He's the only reason I watched. If he's in the final pairing, the final yeah, like oh, couple, forget about it. I'm 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 watching the entire the entire tournament. thing. It's on both TVs in here, both TVs in there, and I'm going back and forth, and I'm doing my day watching it all day, and I'm talking to my dad on the phone watching it now. I say, like, I'm a huge fan of golf. I don't go out and play when I'm on the road. I don't uh-huh. play enough. But I grew up in Florida, and so part of a Florida upbringing, along with racism and sexism <laughs> and homophobia, is, it's golf. Is, is golf. Like, your parents would drop you off at a golf course and at, like, 10 in the morning at, like, a public golf course yep. with your clubs and be like, we'll pick you up at 4. So you pay one round before lunch, have lunch, then rest or go to the pool or go, and then you'd go play another round and you'd wrap up right when your parents would be waiting for you and then you'd go home. Well, well, I know like when you get older, I need to take up golf because I know when you get older and then you get married, a lot of guys use it as an escape. Yeah. Or do you? Yeah, they do. A lot of guys do. Yeah. I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not better than anybody, but I'm like, 
I really want, and I'm not home a lot, so I really want to spend time with my kids. So, no, that's great. That's so like, great. What I do is I just got these clubs sent to me like last week. I want to say uh-huh. so. I take them over to the range over there. Like drop the girls off at camp. I don't. My wife does, but drop them off at camp. I head over to the range and I'll hit like two buckets of balls. Keep my heart rate up to like. 120. Yeah. I monster these balls. I'm just like, <laughs> like rough. Yeah, like just, uh, and then get my, do it for like 45 minutes and then head home, get on the treadmill and work out. And it's a great workout. Oh, that's good. See, I got frustrated at a driving range because I never really played golf. You don't realize how hard golf is till you actually play it. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that tough to just hit the ball. It, it is actually really hard. When you look at someone who's never done it, yeah, it's the same with watching little girls play softball. Like you're just like I really tried to teach the girls. Like I thought they'd just be able to swing a bat instinctually. You instinctually you are not meant to swing a bat. Yeah, nor are you meant to throw overhand. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of things instinctually the human body's not prepared for. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of golf. And Tiger, you know, I remember when he came out like like went pro, and I remember. Being skeptical, like, no one's this good. And I remember my dad sent me down, like, buddy, he's this good. It's crazy, man. It's crazy how good he is. And he hasn't won really a lot of tournaments in the last couple years, but he's still one of the best and can make a comeback anytime. And people, any golfer that nobody gives up on, like, every time he goes out, it's like, okay, this could be it. This could be the one. Yeah. This could be the one. See, I'm that, that's the way I look at life. And I know that I have a little bit of a, Def, not uh, self-destructive uh, part of my personality. Mm-hmm. Like I look at life in the way that, like, that I look at Tiger and go, "Don't, don't count him out." I love yeah. that underdog. I love the guy who succeeded early and then kind of dis, like, had some troubles with drugs and sex. Yep. And I love a flaw in a hero. I don't want my heroes to be. I don't want the valedictorian who never went out on. Well, fucking you can't prom relate night. to him. I can't. And, nobody, and, can, nobody can relate to a person that's just flawless. And, and I look at like some of these comics that like that it's like they don't have like any vices. And yeah. I always go like, Whoa, what about you? Like, uh, how do you do that? Where, where's your art come from? Yeah. Don't you have a bottom where you're sitting at the, like, at the fucking hotel room? Well, what would you say your bottom is? My bottom? Yeah. I've had a few. Yeah. I've had a few. Do those, go, do those translate to on stage for you? Yeah. Oh, because because what it is a bottom uh-huh. any, for anyone that's had one is a moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. And a moment of clarity, you see everything the way you haven't seen it before. And so often you go through life just seeing, not looking past a foot in your face, in front of your face. But then when you have one of those moments, and I'm trying to think of one, I'll tell you one that was very clear uh-huh. that um, that I've, I think I've shared. Uh, I won very recently where a uh, buddy committed suicide, and I just went. And I looked at Florida very differently than I'd ever looked at Florida. Like not Florida. Let me simply phrase that. I looked at Tampa, where I grew up, mm-hmm. very differently than I had ever seen it. All of a sudden, and I always came home and I looked at it like, ah, oh, how cool to be here. Then I looked at Tampa and I was like, I'm not from. I, I'm I'm from here. This isn't home anymore. What What about the suicide made that happen for you? I. Looked, God damn it! This is what happens on all my podcasts. I've turned it about me. No, um, no, it's fine. It's no, fine. Uh, I because I grew up with all these guys, but then it's like as men, a lot of the guys that it's and it's very complicated to get into. But a lot of the guys that weren't there for this guy, if that makes sense, yeah, are all 
give a fuck about the wrong thing in life. Yes. And I don't care about that thing. I cared about what this guy cared about. And I'm the same sensitive guy as this guy and his and like and his family. And, and now it's like I have no connect. I, I feel like I have no connection to Tampa anymore, other than my buddy Cowhead, like another uh-huh. group of friends that I have, my buddy Weicho, like, but like all these guys that I grew up with that I feel like are like, like I go home and I'd feel like these are my friends. Y- these are this my guys. is my yeah. group. I look at them now and I go, oh, that's right, you aren't me. Man, I, I got the same story. Now, I don't know if Cowhead, it, did you meet him later in life? I met Cowhead when I started doing stand up. See, what's amazing is guys I grew up with in school. I've lost attachment to, but guys I met like 10 years in my city, I'm very close to now. Like, they're yeah. my friends. Because yeah. let, me t- let me tell you what happens is I had a freaky, freaky thing happen to me. You know, because I started stand-up. I went home for my first homecoming show, and everybody from high school comes out. You know, it's, it's packed and stuff. And I start seeing a, people, a lot of people I haven't seen before. And one guy was a, a very close to me in eighth grade, probably eighth through – until we graduated from high school, but I haven't literally seen him in maybe 13, 14 years. Yeah. He comes up to me and says, hey, good to see you. And I'm like, okay, everything is cool. And he says, you remember in eighth grade, he says, whoever made it was going to take care of the other person? Like, literally said that to me. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. And so I kind of blew it off, literally stalked me for like six to seven months, stalked me, would send me texts with, hey, bro, just thinking about you, man. Let me know if, like, I can do this or this. Like, literally stalking where it's scary. It, yeah. it got scary. Like, I was freaked out by him. You know, and it, it, it's, it's crazy that in my head I'm like, that was in eighth grade. I haven't seen you in 13 to 15 years. Yeah. And then you're saying this to me? I mean, that's kind of crazy. And he's trying to bring me into his life. And he was such a good friend. Such a good friend. And now when I go home, I don't have those friends anymore. I have the, like, five guys i met like 10 years ago and they're like my boys but i really think it's you find you start to really associate associate yourself with people that you want to be around yeah you know what i mean like my guys that they all do different careers they're not entertainers they're in the oil business or they do this but they're great guys and they would never come up to me and say something like that yeah you know it's funny like things you would accept at a younger age you're like whoa i'm an adult now let's not play that you know and it kind of freaks you out no i know exactly what you're talking about I feel like I feel like my friends now are like guys I call when shit are going on it's going yeah. on and not and not like professional shit like I had some issues with my feet like just like <laughs> plantar fasciitis <laughs> like I called like Bob Kelly and Rogan are the two guys uh, I talked to talk to them. about it so like I was like like those are the guys like I'm not calling anyone from home and then like and like tonight I'm hanging out with like Burr Tom Segura uh-huh. Rogan, like, but like, and, and like Ari, Joey, like a bunch of guys that I'm close to, but that know me in my life now. And I'm yeah. not, and I, everyone in Tampa that I'm still friends with that knows me, like, I, I, but there's, but what the problem was, I, I had this big group of friends, this huge, it's what growing up in a town is like. Yeah. And you go back and it's just different. You see people differently and you, you see their, like, so, and I don't know. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I had a, fr- I had a friend who asked me, like who was living? Who came out to L.A. to make it? And he was like, uh, he was like, he was always short on rent. So I, he'd be like, uh-huh. hey, man, can I borrow like, you know, like four hundred bucks for rent? And I'd yeah. be like, sure, sure. So I'd always get money. And then at one point, he goes, you know, it may just be easier if you hire me and then pay me monthly so you can write it off, and then you don't have to worry about me asking for money. And I was like, 
hold on. <laughs> I think you're misconstruing how this works. But it's amazing how the nerve people have. Oh yeah. Like it's I would be so embarrassed to ever ask someone. Like Never. if it's a good friend, I'll ask but hey, hire me so because I'm going to continue asking you for money so you can write it off. I look at friendship very weird because I've had a very fucked up path through friendship. Uh-huh. Like I don't I feel like I've I looked I don't know, it's very long and complicated, but I feel like I I requested friendships out of the wrong people because yeah. I didn't know who I was and I didn't know didn't know how to stand up for myself and I allowed uh, certain things to happen in friendships that I would have never let, let happen, but I just didn't know what to do. And and this business is very complicated. Yes. Um, but I feel like now I'm in a good place with making friends. I'm not – I don't make them like caref- – I make them carefully. Yes. Like I'm like, okay – I'll let you into my life, but I got some fuck. Let you, I'm gonna let you know. There's some real like I got a family. That's first. Yeah, and then we can hang out, but don't think we're gonna be like going to the movies and shit. Like, <laughs> so I and, and but it's it's lucky too. But I think touring is. So wait, let's start back. So mm-hmm. so because uh, I want to get to the how you got how you got into entertainment because you got into entertainment. In it's, Miami, right? Yeah, I was just a radio DJ. I had a big radio show in Miami on, so wait, on Y100. So started the club. I want to go from the club. Okay. So like you graduate high school, you go to college? I go to college, play football for the University of Arkansas for a couple years. I get <sighs> Razorbacks. I get too many. I was recruited as a receiver. Yeah. I was like 6'3", 180. And I gained, we were a test school for creatine. So oh, before fuck. it even came out, we were taking five, six times a day. I gained like 40 five pounds in a very quick amount of time and they moved me to linebacker because I still have my speed. Bad move for me because I never really hit anybody. I was used to taking hits. Yeah. So as it goes on through, you know, my freshman year and then into my sophomore year, I'm hitting 350 pound linemen and like taking on blocks and I'm not used to doing that. So I got hit the wrong way and got concussions so I couldn't play anymore. That's so fucking fascinating. So, you know, you know, I mean, you have a, you have a, you have a persona uh-huh. of of uh, of like well I think I think it's just the handle of being with associated with Chelsea Handler yeah and it's like all the guys on her show like I think you end up wondering if are gay in some sense. oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's, yeah I have this image well Chelsea like if you've never seen me on Chelsea I get beat up on the show I'm the, I'm I'm like her little brother I don't think anyone doesn't get beat up on yeah Chelsea. that's true that's true but I know what you're saying it's like people, like John Caparillo is the only dude that I've seen on that show yeah even Gary Valentine comes off a little like saucy yeah. and you're like Jesus Gary I thought you like but but it's totally cool but, but it's like that's the demographic for that show exactly you're you're appealing to women and I like on radio. My radio shows were always appealing to women 18 to 34. So I read the co- – I'm not going to lie. I read the Cosmos. I can sit down at a table. The, the thing I brag about is I can sit down at a table and talk to women and know more about the things they're talking about. Yeah. And then I can go to a table full of guys and talk sports. Well, because it's so funny. I, I'm obsessed, And you I'm have obsessed. to in this I'm industry. I'm obsessed with celebrity gossip. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I could do – I may incorporate that into a podcast. I'm trying to think of another podcast – in my podcast to release, uh-huh. I, I said it on Rogan the other day, and everyone mocks me. But I wanted to do a fiction podcast. That's awesome. And then, and then, and, but then, and I may still do it. I don't know. We're gonna try a pilot episode. I'm gonna do pilot episodes and let everyone guess. I did a solo podcast that turned out, as my wife quoted, as horseshit. But I may, I may post it anyway. <laughs> she's your toughest critic. No, she doesn't think I'm funny. <laughs> I think she. I think she started over. She would have dated uh, fucking Jimmy Schubert. <laughs> there you so, go. There you go. But um, but. Uh, so I love that stuff too, but um, but it's so funny because right off the bat, 
when you say I played football uh, with oh, yeah. Arkansas, that's like that's like that's like third that's like fourth degree black belt man shit right oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. Once you get here, people to cuz I do pop culture and I interview celebrities. They say, "Oh, he's a and you look good in skinny jeans. <laughs> Thank you. And you look good in a t-shirt. Like Thank that's the number one thing. That what, it is so hard for a man to rock a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> There are T-shirts that men cannot like. No. I cannot pull off T-shirts anymore because no, no. my gut. Only way a man can do it is with the baby doll tee, like a, fa- a big guy with a beer belly. If you yeah. see a little bit of at the bottom of the beer belly, like a Jack Black kind of way, yeah. you're like sexy. <laughs> well, you know, you know, what's funny is, is is the whole thing is like, yeah, I get people always. Let me tell you, I have a huge gay following because guys really think they have a shot with me. You know, I got a girlfriend. I got, the, but when you're on Chelsea, she has a huge gay audience. Yeah, and you know, I play the character of like submissive. Oh, okay, beat me up. I don't care. Whatever, whatever. Well, Chelsea's a powerful fucking individual. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I've seen but, her on stage, and she comes at it with her dick in her hand. Oh yeah, absolutely. And fucking charges it. But but my my thing is like other comedians. Like, here's the thing that I don't care on that show. I don't care if I don't look funny because she started me seven years ago on that show. Because how I initially started was I worked for E. I was a reporter. She started the show with the roundtables, put two comedians on and a reporter because she didn't want to totally slam the celebrity. She wanted one person to kind of support or or defend the celebrity. So yeah. it didn't look like she was just dogging celebrities. So I was the balance. And in that, the bit came about, oh, you're a celebrity ass kisser because you're always defending them. And from that, that's how the role of I'm always pick on you and I'm, you know, I'm going to beat you up. Yeah. So that's how it came about. And then four years into it, I noticed everywhere I flew into, people were like, where are you performing tonight? Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't do stand-up. And they were like, well, why not? So... Basically, I went on her show, says, I'm going to try it. Chelsea challenged me. Joe kind of mentored me, and it just took off from there. So it, it's a thing where she – I call her show, no matter what you think about her, I call her show – it's the American Idol for comedians. If you go on that show at that time when it was like three, four years in, you had a shot to blow up. Like, I think, it every, changed I think so many, everyone did. Her writers – were mostly retired stand-ups because, you know, they, they just gave up on it. She brought them back. Now they're relevant in stand-up again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the power of her. And it's, she's going to be missed on, like, E, you know? Oh, she's going to be – I don't know. I've never really – I've never really – I've only met her once. But, uh-huh. but, I, but I've never said – I've never said anything bad about her. Because here's yeah. the thing in the business. is like you got to go from – you can't go for like look at people for the success they've had and then judge yourself based off of it. No, which I think a lot of people do. A lot of people go into a city, they're performing a, a small theater, they find out Chelsea's performed the fucking Megadome, and they've or the whatever the big Christian church size <laughs> fucking holding Joel Olstein size church exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then they and then they get and then they shit on Chelsea and they try to tear apart her career, her yeah. part of career. Which is easy to do, because mm-hmm. not easy to do about Chelsea, but it's easy to do about to yourself. Because you go, also, well, fuck. Yeah. Look at look at Dane Cook. Look yeah. at uh, like someone who's having a big career. Look at Chris Hardwick. Look at yeah. Mark Maron. Look at Rogan. Look at all these guys. Yeah. The problem is, I I always go back. I always try to remember the first time I saw them do stand up in my original impression. Like Tosh, I remember watching him do stand up and going, "This guy is fucking genius." Mm-hmm. Like I love this guy. And then now a lot of people can look at Tosh and try to. Terrence Porter. I think Tosh is amazing to this day, and even the stuff he does. Because I looked to it 
through those glasses the first time I saw them. First time I saw Chelsea, I said she had her dick in her hand as if she needed to be a man to be funny. But she was very female, very funny, very hot, yeah. very fucking powerful on stage. And I remember going, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And you want to hear the cool thing? She rolled into that club as a pre-party to go out that night with her friends. So she had three smoking hot chicks with her. There you go. And they rolled into the back like they were all comics. And I'm like, who the fuck are these chicks? And she was like, I... Uh, when are you on? Like, didn't even know me. And I was like, I'm um, on, like, right after you, I think. She's like, okay, good. I want to kind of try to get out of here. We got plans. And I was like, okay, yeah, 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 that's fine. How long so, ago was that? Do you remember? I don't know. I was definitely dating my wife. So probably 10 years ago. See, that's see th- those stories are amazing because I notice, like I said, I'm, I'm a newbie in it. I've just, you know, I was, the only thing I'm going to say is about stand-up for me that I've noticed is, so many people judge themselves off of other comics. You got to just find your own way. And that's one thing, me coming out as an insider, because I was lucky because, you know, I was lucky I had a name and then I went into stand. So I got stage time relatively fast, where a lot of people have to work to get that. Yeah. But, you know, my friends say, well, you did radio to build up basically, like I did the overnight. I've paid my dues in radio. I did the overnight shifts, I did all that shit. So you, in radio, it's basically painting pictures with words. And if people can see you, it makes it easier. So I was talking to Russell Peters, and I remember him coming into my show, like my third month ever doing it. And he says, you're going to be a monster in five years because people take stage time. Uh, People say, always think it's how many years you do it, but it's stage time. Because he says, I know some lazy comics that have been doing it for 12 years and don't have that much stage time at all. Yeah. You know, it's about how much you go up. And I go up three, four times a week. I tour. I do this. And I'm like just now three years in. You know what I mean? But if you take my three years, it's probably like seven or eight years of a person starting from the beginning and trying to build up. But I was lucky because I came in through the other door. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're lucky because you're also getting to find crowds are finding you and you're getting to perform in front of crowds. Yes. A lot of guys, when they start, you can go, oh, yeah, I've been out of two years. Well, yeah, but you're only performing in front of 12 people. Exactly. You're not really learning much about yourself. You're learning how to bomb, which is what the majority of us, like I say us because I started Mm -hmm. in stand up. But, you know, your first couple of years, you're learning how to bomb. I was like you in the sense that I, not like you in the in the trajectory, but I was working the door to club. Yeah. So I got on every single night in good rooms, and it was cheating. It was like, it was, I remember Ben Bailey and, and Judah and and, uh, and uh, Ben, Judah, and Jordan Rubin pulled me aside, and they're like, you you know, I don't think this is right because, you you know, I think you should... Stop working the door. No one's going to see you as a real comedian. But at the time, I was like, fuck, I need to do this. Yeah. I need to get on stage. I learned very quickly stage time. It's like, it's like, I uh, you, yeah, I tell you, Chelsea, the one note she ever gave me about stand up, she says, you're going to get a lot of opportunities really quick that other people have been working their ass off for. Just appreciate the craft and be at the clubs. Don't be the guy where everybody's saying, oh, he's just up because he's, he's uh, on TV. Be the guy where they're like, no, the dude puts in work. I see him here all the time. Yeah. You know, respect the craft. And that was the only note. So right when she said, man, I've been, you know, I hit the comedy store, Laugh Factory, improv. I got a show tonight at the improv, Melrose Improv. So I'm always going up and I, I try to bring, always bring people that ne- not necessarily would travel. You know, with me, just to show him love, too. I'm always trying well, you, to get back. You toured with one of the kids. Nick Guerra. He was on Last Comic Standing. Yeah, and I, and I was like, I didn't know they were from L.A. Yeah. I thought they were like yeah, Miami the, kids. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and one girl, there was a girl with Justine you. Justine Marino. 
Yeah. I think. Yeah. She came, she, she came up to me and she's like, uh, I, I'm and I'm I'm just being uh, it, was, it was interesting. Yeah, she was like, so I understand. Like, uh, you call yourself the machine, and I was like, well, it's a story. And she was like, well, I'm the machine, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and but I was like, I have no attack. Like, I, I'm yeah. I, 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 there's no putting my genie back in the bottle. Uh, this story this is a story I've been doing now for fucking three years. That's very popular. Uh, was she serious? I think she was, but I, I think don't she think was like, so. I think she was, but no, but I think she was like, she was like, I've heard about you, but I, I didn't know like. Because, you know, comics are worried about bits. So oh, I don't know. Okay, I, I don't, I'm sure she was just concerned that I had a similar bit to hers. And I was like, oh, my bit is very different. Like, did you rob a train when you were 22 with the Russian Mafia? <laughs> she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, my. It's a, it's I think like a, she was. She's very. I think she was joking because she's yeah. one of the most, like, whatever type of people I've ever met. She's very. Yeah, she's, she's very known funny. as a machine because she drinks so much. Yeah. Well, I, that's definitely where, where my title came from. I, but it's like, it's like. I, there's fucking it's a it's a, <laughs> I, I, this is the conversation I had with her and she's like well I, I drink a lot and that's why I got it and I was like well I was the number one party animal in the country based on Rolling Stone like I drink a lot but that like, is I've, awesome I'm, I'm like do you ever shit blood like I want to go like do you want to you want to go tit for tat on drinking <laughs> have, have, have they had an intervention with you <laughs> right <laughs> that's awesome but she was very nice I, but all of them I was like as a comic who's you know touring yeah. nationally for fucking I don't know however long I've been doing it, um, I was like I wanted to give them insights like hey, you guys are really funny you need to move to L A and one of the kids was like I live in L A and I was like oh shut the fuck up yeah and he was like yeah and I was like oh never mind I was like I thought you guys were like I was like what are you doing here and they're like we came down with Michael to do Miami I yep. went shut the fuck up I was yeah. like oh my god I'm sorry and th- and that's my thing is. You know, I like Nick Guerra. I think he's one of the best. He's really. I, he's, I saw him again on Last Comic Standing in the Fort Lauderdale Improv. Yeah, I'm sitting watching the TV, and I was like, I know that guy. Yep. How do I know that guy? And I fucking, I was like, oh, he's really talented. He's really talented, and you know, I I just love to bring people with me. And Nick's one I I bring everywhere I go because for me, if he opens up for me, he brings my level so because I gotta come with it. Following him, I got to bring it. So he's really talented. He's, he's always, that's what I like to do is, you know, I, they won't be named, but I've been to a lot of shows where the openers, I, I feel like the headliner purposely doesn't have the openers. You know, they don't put on strong openers. And I've yeah. heard this from clubs. And my thing is, like, I want, I don't really worry about myself. If you like me, you like, because I think comedy is so subjective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody could like Justine Marino, a girl, because she's so on point with what women think. Even she's though very she funny, over- too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they're both very funny. But my thing is, I'd rather people leave. For me, I'm trying to create a brand of when I come into town, not just me, but the whole show is good. Yeah. You know, and so that's why I don't mind after the, I'm the type of guy that after a show, like Nick's there all the time. Some people would be like, yo, you were great, but Nick, you crushing. I'm like, because I don't, I don't care. Well, yeah. I just want people to have a great show. I just, but they all leave saying, man, this show was awesome. So now. I'll give you a tad bit of perspective of why other people do it the other way. Imagine you can totally appreciate when someone's like, Nick, you were great. You might go, you were great too, but God, this Nick guy's great because yeah. you're like, well, yeah, I've only been doing it three years. Imagine yeah. if you've been doing it 15 yeah, okay, and the kid's yeah. been doing it three and, the, and then you think you're a has-been. They're like, they're like, no, I can see that. I can see that. Like that's because that's what goes through guys' heads. That's why guys, I mean, I understand why guys bring weak features uh-huh. because they, once you've been doing it a long time, it's like there is an expectation of you to be the best. No, and, I got and you. sometimes, man, and I've had my dick knocked in the dirt a lot, uh, you know. 
it, it dude, it and for a weekend of it, yeah. for a weekend of a guy knocking your dick in the but, dirt. But what, like my my greatest thing is, I've had Nick open up for me, and sometimes he'll disappear. Like people won't even pay. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's the best feeling in the world because my my thing is, I always try to push myself. Like Nick is like I will bring him if he's available every show, every show I can because he brings the level of the whole show up. So. If I follow him, when I follow him, I got to bring it. And he puts that. You'll learn more about yourself on stage following a strong person oh gosh, than you yeah. will a weak person. You know, um, the biggest compliment I got was from, oh, my God, I'm blanking out. And he's a huge comic. He does all the ro- – Jeffrey Ross. Yeah. Uh, he was testing out the Rosie uh, when he did the Rosie roast. And um, he wanted to go on like fourth or fifth. And – or he just wanted to go on so he could leave just yeah. to test the stuff out. And you learn a lot about comics because he went down the line. And I was fifth. Can I go up before you? And they were like, no, 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 no. Because, uh, you know, whatever reason that comic had, they didn't want to. He walks up to me and says, hey, can I go? I was like, yeah, go ahead. And he's just kind of like shocked. It was like, wow, okay, thank you. But okay. And yeah. then he stayed for my set. You know, it was sort of that it was really cool. And he said, hey, great job. You know, and it was a thing where – you're right. Like, you know, you, you read about all the big comedians. They want to go after somebody that's good because you really find out how good you are. You learn. And then you, well, then you get to a I, – now I would never – I've never really paid attention. Yeah, now you don't – now like, a guy I, like you like, don't care. Not that I give a fuck, but it's mm-hmm. like, like – uh, You're confident. You know your stuff is funny. I know that I can, I'm only, I can only do one thing. Yeah. So, like, back when you're younger, you're like, you don't know what you're doing. Now I go, I know what I do. It either works or it doesn't. It doesn't, yeah. And, and I know that it works a lot. And if it doesn't this time, then I gotta uh, I gotta change. Well, you speeds. know what? It, it's you know what what I've learned, and like I said, my career isn't as long as yours or anybody else's. But what I've learned is ninety percent of it is you believing in what you're doing up there. Because I see so many comedians now when I go into these shows, they're so insecure. And like and like and like and like a person like you, like I love your stand up. A person like you, you go in. This is me. If you like it, let's roll. If not, okay, whatever. But I'm still going to do me. Yeah. Where a lot of comics, I see them adjust on stage to try to please accommodate, the audience. Accommodate what they think accommodate the audience they, wants. And then yeah. that's when it all falls apart. I, I was very lucky. I, I, I worked with a headliner for a long time. Uh, that I, don't, I mean, I don't mind saying who it was, but it was Jay Moore. And I yeah. worked with him for a long time. And I learned a lot working with him. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about stand-up. I mean, it was a great it – it was a really great – Set of experiences, and then towards the end, and, and for I don't know the exact reason why he did it, but um, uh, but it behooved me is that he started uh, doing an hour in the middle. So, it, and I, I, there are other comics that do this. I want to say Brian Regan does it, but uh, oh, you like got a, you got the opener. The, he uh, does it, and then a closer comes in after him. Yeah, so he Tom Segura or whoever would go up first mm-hmm. and do like five minutes, ten minutes, warm him up, and then Jay would go on and do an hour. What an hour probably, mm-hmm. and then bring me on, and the checks would drop. So I was not only following a national headliner, but I yeah. was also doing the check spot. And I, I only did it a few times. We only did it. I mean, not to say like I did it for years, but I was doing it at the time, and I was also touring with the Jameson Comedy Tour. Mm-hmm. It was me, Steve Byrne, Billy Gardell, uh, Danny Bevins, Michael Loftus, and Pete Corielli, and everyone was a monster. Yeah, and I had to go last every show because I'm also a little bit. I'm a little bit. I'm a. I'm a. Little, I'm a little less of a. I'm more a Yosemite Sam than a fucking artist. Yeah. So like, I don't mind chaos breaking out. Yeah. And I enjoy it. I drink it in. And so at the time, I just learned a lot about 
closing shows and not having that fear of what do I do next. Mm-hmm. You know, it really benefits you when you go to like say Montreal or you do a taping for for like HBO with uh-huh. a bunch of comics. You don't worry about what position you get because you're like fuck it, put me last. I'm, that's where I'm comfortable at anyway. Yeah. It's, you're doing yourself do you, a, a big benefit. Like with the Jay Moore and Brian Regan, do you feel that in the future that's how everybody's going to go because headliners just don't want to deal with check drops? No. I'm not, I'll never do that. I'll yeah. never do that just because... You want to be the last thing that's on stage when they leave. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it probably would be better for my set because I would get off at an hour, but I, do, I, I end up going way long. So yeah. I would end up fucking whoever went... And this show would be like... I, I yeah I don't I don't know I don't, I don't well I, I I because somebody told me about that and I actually tried that at a couple of shows and it works out great because here's the thing you're not rushing to sell merch or take pictures you kind of chilling out yeah you go change shirts or we'll do whatever you want to do and then you go out there the other guy's finishing up you don't have to deal with check drops yeah but you gotta you gotta realize the person you bring to close a show after a show like that uh-huh. after they've paid to bring you tickets yeah that's true. like buy your tickets like it's got to be someone really. Like it's really strong, not, yeah. not like just strong and like probably high energy. You're not going to get like it's going to be tough. I'll never do it just because I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I, well, I, I've heard both cases. I've heard yeah, you should do it, and then I've heard you shouldn't because you know I, I've heard you shouldn't because you want to be the last thing the audience sees on yeah. stage when they when they walk out. They, there's an there's an argument for the, the both sides. Yeah, I mean in England they do the the guy that you pay to see hosts. It's called a compare. Really? So yeah, the, the most talented comic hosts the evening. So they'll go up and do like thirty minutes, and then they'll bring up the first comic, and then they'll do some time, and they'll bring up the next comic, and then they'll do some time, and they'll bring up the last comic, and that's the show. Oh, okay. I think I'm saying that right. Eddie Ift would know for sure, but like, but like, I mean, like that's the, the strongest comic is the host always in in England. Huh. He's called the compare. Okay. So, hey. like, yeah, so, like, when you do, like, have you done much abroad? No, no, not much at all. Like, I did the South Africa Comedy, South Africa Comedy Festival, Cape Town Comedy Festival. Yeah. Uh, and always the strongest comic was the host. And both, it was Andre Vincent Ferrars and uh, Alistair Berry for another but one. But don't you get annoyed when, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I get annoyed when hosts do sets in between sets. No, oh, yeah, because they suck here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why you get annoyed. Because hosts like, are, the least, let's go. are the least accomplished of all of them. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, but if Jeff Ross was hosting. Yeah, it'd be great. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, please restart this for yeah. me. Get me up. You know what? Get them to forget fucking Brett Ernst. Yeah. And, and his energy. Put it back to where you think the show should be and then bring me up and let me be brand gotcha. new. Gotcha. Because, you know, you. sometimes you get up and like you do sets of the improv. I remember I followed a guy, and I don't know the guy's name. I always fuck it up, but he's so talented. I want to say his name is Charles Nelson Riley. I don't know him. He's a, I, I, I mean, I, he's a comic. He's like, yeah. he's got like big glasses. It's not an act. But okay. I, I, but, and I don't know how to describe the guy other than. Um, but he must have crushed. I wish I could describe him fairly. He's very talented. That's what I will say. Uh-huh. He's very finicky and quirky, mm-hmm. like uh, spectrumy. If gotcha. You know what I mean? So, like, without saying like that, that but all like, comic maybe? Would you say an all or no? Oh, definitely an all comic. Okay, definitely, and okay, definitely gotcha. a passionate all comic that reads blogs. Like you know, like <laughs> like he's 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 into comedy. Yeah, but he's massively talented. Mm-hmm. I've told him this every time I've seen him. I followed him one time on stage, and I have never seen anything like it in my life. It was so fucking strong and it was so like different than anything i'd ever seen that 
well, the host got up and the host didn't want to touch the mic. It was like it was burning. He was like, next comic, Perk Reiser. And I was like, the fuck are you doing? Is that the Melrose Improv? Yeah. And I was like, dial it back. Get this to fucking go away. Like, make. And I got up and I couldn't. I mean, everyone was talking about the guy. Like, I really? got on stage and everyone's like, it was fucking amazing. Like, and he did have a dream set. I've seen him do. I've never seen him do poorly. He's one of his jokes that he's like, he's like, ah, I'm doing an impression of the uh-huh. guy. I hope this doesn't offend him if he ever hears it. Yeah. it very well may. But understand if you're listening to this and you're that guy, and I don't, I didn't say your name right. I think you're really talented. I'm just simply trying to do an impression yeah. of the guy. So um, he was like, uh, he was like, oh, I asked my friend if he wanted. To- to go to the movies the other day and he said he had to polish his robot just say you don't want to be friends with me and 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 then then like goes and it's like goes on this rant clearly you can get a smaller robot to polish that robot and then a smaller robot to polish that robot and then another robot to polish that and so on and so on and so on and so on just say you don't want to be friends with me like it was but it was so bizarre and different and like anything i'd ever seen that i literally sat in the back like this guy's fucking amazing i brought him up it's like uh, that's the one thing i don't do right in this business but if that if you're funny I tell everyone about you and I spread your name to everyone like you should see this guy because I don't really feel like there's any competition no because and see that's the whole thing is I don't feel there's competition either except with yourself because your crowd like for instance and and this is what you really learn once you build a name your crowd is your crowd no matter who opens up for you like like I, I can tell the difference like when I take when I go to different cities and I bring uh really strong people that open like sometimes they just disappear because that crowd is there to see you, and no matter you could, you could have the biggest comic open up, and if that's your crowd, it's your crowd, yeah. and that and you build that loyalty, you know. But I don't know. I, I I just, you know, I just that's why I like to find great talent and bring them. You know, I like. It's smart, man. I think it'll. So wait, so let's let's go back if we can. Yeah. How did you get into radio? Well, I got into radio because uh, I started radio before I went to the University of Arkansas. I was like an intern, really? and I did the overnight shift. And then when I got too many concussions, uh, I didn't want to play football anymore. Obviously, I couldn't, and I didn't want to stay in Arkansas because you got to finish out in the dorms, the athletic dorms, and live there throughout the rest of your college because that's – and every day you hear about football, and it's depressing, and I was kind of depressed, so I moved back home to Houston, got into radio. uh, Radio took off, went from Houston to Austin to Miami, and Miami is where it all took off. So it really exploded. Wow. Yeah. And so and so it was so interesting cuz Paul was uh, we did Paul and Young Ron together. Oh. And Paul's like uh, Michael Yo's coming in. And in my head I was like I knew who you were. I knew who you were because mostly because of Theo Vaughn. Yeah, love Theo. And That's so, my dude. Right yeah, there. Theo loves you. <laughs> loves you. And so I said I said, you know, oh cool. And in my head I was like I was like I'll have to introduce like I want to make sure Paul likes him. Yeah. So I'll have to introduce, and then you came in, and you guys knew each other, and I sat off to the corner like, wait, because I've known Paul for ten years. Oh yeah, and I was like, how do they know each other? Yeah, and then he kept, and you guys were back and forth, and I realized you're like how quick you were on radio, and I was like, oh, you've been doing, oh yeah, our, and then my everything st- made fucking sense, right? and I was like, son of a bitch. Can I tell you? They said us three was one of the funniest podcasts they've ever had in their life. Like really? they lo- like I went back probably like two months later. They were still talking about it. Really, they were like they would love to get us in the studio at the same time again. They they were like it was the one of the biggest downloaded podcasts they ever had. It was like amazing. Really? Like, oh, people- it was funny shit. Oh, it's crazy. Do you know who Jim- I was in there last like two weeks ago with Jim Norton? Do you know whose radio show we did? Who? Rick Sanchez. 
Rick Sanchez has a show? Yeah. Rick Sanchez. Yeah. Rick Sanchez. What is that on? Uh, I don't know. It's like right down the hall, straight down the hall, all the way down on the Oh, the, the news. He must be yeah. on the news. Like, I was two doors down from Paul and Ron when I did radio. Really? My, yeah, we were all in that building. Yeah. That's an interesting building. Were you there the night, the day that, uh, that Ari, Ari, Oh, Spe- yes, Ari, Ari, I wore Spears. Ari Spears, yes, when he, when he blew up at, uh, yeah. cause I guess cause he didn't want to do the impressions and I guess, I don't know. All I know is I heard that on Opie and Anthony, like I was, I was driving and they're like, have you heard yeah. Ari, Sp- Ari, Sp- Ari Spears, Ari, I'm Ari sorry, Spears. Ari Spears. Have you heard Ari Spears on Paul and Young Ron? And they started listening to it and it is. I mean, it is fucking riveting radio. Oh, it's great. It's great. Real talk? Real, Real I'm t- from the Bronx. I, I was there, and uh, that's all. It was the biggest buzz when he just stormed out of the building. It, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But well, you've, Everyone's done that. I, I don't even listen to Like, if I do radio, I don't listen when I leave, and I don't try to listen at all because I'm like, I don't want to know if someone didn't like me or if I didn't do good. Yeah. I'd rather just go away and, like, and be like, okay, I don't, I don't. I have no attachment to that. I would probably do exactly what Ari did and drive back. I probably would. But the funniest part of that whole thing was in the middle of his like yelling, I think it was Toast was the guy there at the time. Yeah. And Toast was like, can you do the clumps? Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking fell out because it was like, because you're on both sides of the team at that yeah. point. Because you, under, as a comic, I've you been in Ari's yeah. shoes by no Paul and Ron. So, uh, god damn, that was crazy. Yeah, man, that was all the but. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like when you're on a good show, whether it goes good or bad, how it can just suck you in. Even if you're if you're a guest on that show, you know yeah. what I mean. But uh, luckily, Paul and Ron like me and you, and yeah. nothing's ever so gone bad. So how did you get out? Of, how did you get out of radio and into TV? Well, radio, I got a random call. Uh, I guess the president at the time of E, Ted Harbor. He's now like vice president of NBC or something like that. But he was in town with his daughter because she was thinking about going to UM, University Good of Miami. Fucking Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you know that's how Bobcat Goldthwait got discovered. Or Stephen Wright. It might have been Stephen Wright. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the head of NBC's daughter was going to applying to colleges and so they went to a comedy club uh-huh. and he saw him and went, You're gonna be on the Tonight Show. See? College ap- applications. I'm only doing towns where big colleges are from now on. <laughs> exactly. So literally, they're in the car. He heard me. This is when Nick Lachey just divorced Jessica Simpson. He wouldn't talk to TV, uh, any TV stations. But since I knew him, because you know they're from Orlando, he decided to do one radio interview with me. And just so happens, they were in their car and they heard it. And really? so since he's in the entertainment business, he says, wow, this guy has pull. He got Nick Lachey. Nobody else can get him. And then he liked the interview. He started listening more. He looked me up. So I get this random call from E saying, hey, we want to hire you. And I'm like, what's E? What? Yeah. Yeah. So they, put, they test me and wanted to hire me. But I said no for six months because I never wanted to be on TV. Yeah. You know, I love so radio. You have, you have, are the least... I'm, a, I'm terrible at schools because they're like, tell us your story. I was like, you don't want to hear my story because yeah. it never happens to people. That's my story. You That's know? my story. Is like People it, are like, how would you get in the business? I go, oh, I just partied my dick off for seven <laughs> years in college. And then Rolling Stone discovered me. Oliver Stone bought the rights to my life. I moved to New York. Will Smith discovered me. You guys should try it. It's really fun. Exactly. We're the worst. But wait, but what's crazy is that you are the easily the most attractive person in all of that building. I've been through that building. <laughs> 
in West Palm. I mean, you were, yeah. you were, and you, well, and you, you were not meant for radio with your face. But I love radio. Radio, you know, like fun. radio's awesome. You know what I love about it is people can. Well, now with Twitter, they didn't have social media back then, but you could watch somebody on on TV and be like, I don't like them or I don't agree with them, and that was it. Yeah. With radio, they'll call your shit. They will call you up and be like, you're absolutely wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. And that's what I love it. I think once you get out of radio, you lose that attachment to people. And that's why I like stand-up. It's sort of like my radio now because you're actually in the crowds. You actually meet them. And what I love, the main thing I love about stand-up is I work in the corporate world, a lot of politics. When you're on stage and it's just you and that mic, all politics are – it's just you. Yep. And that's the one it's thing. It's you and crowd approval. That's if the, the crowd goes with it, the, corp, the corporation's in. Yeah, and that's what I love. The, the thing – I remember the first time I did stand-up, Miami Improv. I got off stage, called my mom. It's like, this is what I was born in. I, that rush, that feeling of just the crowd, it's it, – it's amazing, man. Like, if you've never done stand-up and you want to try it, I don't care if you bomb the first time. It's such an amazing rush. Luckily, I was in Miami, and I had a big radio show, so a lot of listeners came out. You know, and and I watched my first set still, you know, and it's it, – it's, it, I was I was so happy with it, but to feel that rush of people screaming, yeah, it's amazing. I, you can't describe it. It's and better the, than and anything. the decompression when you get done. Oh my gosh! It's I almost never, like you like you know the it, it's not, this is gonna sound weird, but it's like you know when your your ears are tight in a plane yep. and you clear them. That's what it feels like to get off stage. Yes, it's like you're yes. like, and and what what like when I used to talk to stand ups, they were like, man, I'm so tired. And to me, I'm like. Why are you tired? But you find out how mentally oh. draining. Because I, I never thought about it. Like, I do, you know, you do two shows in a night and you're like, oh my God, I can't even do anything. I'm done. But my friend broke it down. It's like, you're waiting for keys in the audience. You're reacting to them. Your brain is way ahead of where you actually are on stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I never thought about that. But it's sort of like when you're studying in a library, just reading a book, you're not really doing anything, but mentally, you're drained, and that's the same feeling I get. Like, I, I've never been so tired than doing, like, two shows. And I never thought – I was like, dude, you're a wimp. Why, why are you saying this is tiring? It's not, but it actually is. Oh, it's, it's, it can be – and that's, I think that's the hard thing with drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. is you, get, it, it, you have all this anxiety building up to it, and then so a lot of people compensate with uh, booze to deal with the – the nerves, and then when you get done, it's like there's nothing better than a fucking cold beer after a set. Yeah, like I've tried, I've tried the other stuff. I've tried <laughs> the fucking yoga and going to my room and writing, or but there's nothing better than sitting in the green room with the you other comics chill. and fucking having a cold beer and just being like, oh, what did you think about uh, this? Or just decompressing. Well, and that's why I travel with Nick and like other comedians because I mean I'm not a big partier. But we'll stay up after shows to like three or four o'clock in the morning, just kind of like, you know, light drinking and talking comedy. And that's I love like I I don't watch people stand up. It's weird because, you know, at the stage I'm in, I don't want to ever have anybody's bits in my mind. Anything I do, I want it to be organic. And the only people I watched growing up because I never really I fell into this, too. You know, like I fell into TV, like I fell into stand up. But like, of course, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You know, but. I would rather, I but I will listen to comics talk about comedy. 
that's what I love the conversation, the, how different people see comedy in different ways, how different people make their sets in different ways. You know, yeah. like I love the, I love the craft of it. I love the study of the craft rather than actually watching the stand up, which is re- weird. But no, I just not, love to talk about it. I love, I listen to comedy, I listen to Marin and Rogan. Now that yeah. you say that, I'm like, oh, I wonder who Marin had on this week. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, but like I, I listen to the craft. I listen to Getting Dug with High. Yeah, is one of my favorite podcasts because I just listen because they not they're not they're really not talking about anything other than getting high, mm-hmm. and that's so beautiful because very often do you get a totally sub no bits no material just comics getting high is really fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, and so the live ones are fun too, but the live ones are the live ones are funnier, but. You get it's a, once you live podcasts. Once you get someone on stage, it's like the wheels have come off. Like it's they're gonna do material. They're gonna th- slide in a bit because we're comics and we don't want to fucking bomb. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm tr- now. I'm trying desperately trying to find out who's on the most recent WTF. What did uh, did you hear the whole thing with the Opie and Anthony stuff? Leonard oh. Malton, the Opie and An- you as far as what uh, you weren't listening to the no. Uh, don't worry about it. Wait, you're talking about Opie and Anthony? Anthony Harry? got fired. Oh yes, I heard about that. Wait, what was the story though? Why did he you... took a picture of a? He was taking a picture of scaffolding, and there was a, uh, I think a hooker maybe, but she was black. That was a, that's important. But then he the go story. on a rant on he went Twitter. On a rant on Twitter. That's right. But that's yeah, man. Here's what's crazy about social media to me is so many people, and I, I think the majority of people, it's it's real life to them. You know what I mean? When it's supposed to be because. They say depression comes from social media. A lot of people are getting depressed by social media. Because, I 100% agree with that. Because, because they're seeing people's best. You know, they're saying, oh, I'm here, I'm there. And then people start feeling bad about themselves. And my thing with social media is I think people take it way too seriously. Right now, if I just sent an old picture out that I'm in Miami, oh, you're in Miami, let's hook up. Like people, instead of picking up the phone and calling you. Yeah. They will be like, just look at your Instagram and just, oh, he's there. Like, you could totally paint a picture, a different life. You oh, know, yeah. just through Instagram, oh, yeah. just through Twitter. You know, you which could, is amazing. Or people do, because people do. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you look at people's lives, and, and I'm like, I, I'm like, really? Like, even my, like, I had to pull off of Instagram because uh-huh. what I was doing was I was, po- I was obviously posting the cream of the crop. Yeah. So it's like, I'm in a private island, Puerto Rico, on a yacht for Travel Channel. I take a picture of that, and everyone's like, and then I started realizing I'm putting out, I'm not putting out my shitty part of the day. No. Like, I'm not putting out the van ride. No. Or the fact that we have to wrap early because the mosquitoes are out. Like, and so it was like, I was like, I got to fucking dial this back because this isn't really who I am. Well, and then your audience loses the real you. Yeah. And they, and they're like, yeah, exactly. They, I, yeah. Because I remember I just moved into my new place. I was excited and I was on the roof. And this is a roof everybody in the building shares, but took a couple pictures. And my good friend was like, you know, you might want to stop taking pictures of your place because it looks very egotistical. And I didn't even realize that. You know what I mean? It's just I like my new place, you know. And you fall into that world of people see it and they believe it. And that's what today says. You see it, you believe it. It could be fake. Like I could get a somebody send me a picture from Italy right now and I post it and people are like, oh, you're in Italy. It's like, no, you know, but people believe that so much. And that's the problem, man. And nobody's, nobody's, I have, I'm I'm working on this big comedy bit where, you know, the evolution 
of man coming from monkey to yeah. standing upright. Well, we're going backwards now because now men are on, we're all on like Twitter. So we're bending down kids. <laughs> your hands are always holding a controller. Like it's getting back to ape days. Yeah. We're not talking anymore. We're swiping at things, drawing pictures on iPads and just swiping no and not speaking. talking, no speaking. So we're actually going backwards to caveman days, just way more uh, advanced. Yeah. Like if you really look at a, no guy stands up straight anymore. Like in the evolution, it's bent over. Kids are like sitting down. Yeah. You know, so literally you could make the chart backwards now all the way to sitting where everybody's watching TV sitting in their hands. Everybody's hands are like monkey. Like- I never predicted this. You know, like I remember when everyone told me, no, the company I'm starting will allow you to get your groceries without. I remember someone telling me yeah. that without ever leaving your house. I was like, why would how do I know what I want? Like in part of the grocery store, walking up and down the aisles, looking at products, seeing if there's anything new. And I was like, what? And then he was like, oh, no, no, no. Like one day. You won't even, like, you'll order your food online, your dinner online, your movies online. And I was like, this is, like, 1997. And I was yeah. like, you're out of your fucking mind. Exactly. I was like, you're telling me I'm not going to go to a movie theater. Well, the other night, we're sitting in the fucking, in the man cave, me and my wife. She's like, you want to watch Snowpiercer? And I was like, that's out? She's like, well, it's out on video on demand. And I was like, fuck yeah. See? Because we can't I- make it to the movies. We have two kids. So I know what you're saying. I just, I just never saw this coming. I, I was like... I mean, I just did. Uh, I was. I have to ask you this because I've never fucking stopped thinking about it. What is the food people you do? You when you're trying to get healthy, you do my the fit food foods on, right down my the street. Fit foods. I got freaking love it, dude. That's all I eat. I just ate it before I came here. My fit foods. Yeah, I just got Nature Box through Rogan. Okay, like I was doing Rogan's podcast, uh-huh. and he was talking about Nature Box, and I had some of this shit, and I was like, "This shit's amazing." So oh, I, the food's great now. I got the I got Nature Box comes tomorrow, and it's all snacks. It's all healthy snacks. Oh, so I can that's have those dope. in the house. Oh yeah, you got to check it out. They Nature got sriracha. Um, by the way, um, they're not a I'm not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor of this podcast. It's just good. Yeah, which is the way Rogan runs his shit. Is like if it's good, he'll do it. He'll get he'll allow you to pay him to read them out loud. But he'd probably do it anyway. But like. This Nature Box is good shit. I got to see that, man, because that's like, I love my fit foods, but I go there for meals. So I'm looking for the snack part. You know what I mean? So, because that's the main thing. You can have a great diet as oh, far as see, meals. Can you see me mouth it out? My yeah, fit, fit foods. foods. Like, you can Studio have. Studio City, right here. No, dude, it's right down the street. I go oh, there every day. Fuck yeah. And here's what's great you can buy like three or four of them, you know, it lasts you a couple days. Actually, I go there and save so much money because it's like $9 a meal and instead it, of going to some it, restaurant and spending all this money. And as a non-married, you like my, my, we almost did this Blue Apron, which is, I think, I want to say another sponsor of Rogan's. Uh-huh. But, and it's like, but I hear a lot of the products that I want through, through, through fucking podcasts. I yeah. know that sounds stupid, but like I listen to podcasts and it's like Benson's got this Blackout X vape pen that I'm like, <laughs> that I don't even smoke weed really, but I'm like... How do I get a hold of one of those? <laughs> I just need that in my house. <laughs> See, I need to figure out because, uh, you know, I have a podcast with Joe Coy, and we just do it for fun right now. Yeah. We never... How many episodes have you done? Like 54. Okay. And we do about like 250,000 downloads a month. So... But we never did it for money. But now it's like I see people getting paid, so we got to figure out that side of it. How many do a week? Just, just one. one. Yep. Just one. You can and- get... You can make... I mean, I can give you probably legit numbers. Um, you could probably make, um, probably make like two grand a week. Oh, that's great. 
Like I'm ballparking it. Only I'm basing it off of what other people make. Yeah. Like I mean, the big guys are making a lot of money on podcasts. Oh, like I've been to Adam Carolla's setup. I mean, that's ridiculous. But like you could you could totally make probably make you could probably make once you start advertising, I think you then it'll pick. Joe's a pretty big international act, right? Yeah. So like yeah like and I bet your downloads are international or fucking through the roof. Yeah, I mean bigger in America, but yeah, we in certain areas, Philippines, uh, in the UK. I, you know. I bet you guys can make some real cash, and I bet it's cash that other people couldn't make because you guys, you know, a lot of the problem with uh, with podcasting is there's no real diversity. You know, majority of podcasters are white dudes. Yeah. The well, we'll, we'll talk after because I just need a contact for – this shouldn't even be on this podcast, but I'll the advertising up. side, I have no idea because we just did it for fun. Are you huh? guys with a network? No. I, we do it ourselves. God damn it. We just decided to do it ourselves. Okay. Well, we, we wanted to own everything so we could decide – like where we wanted hey, to go. I own everything, and I'm at All Things Comedy. I will tell you the greatest <laughs> fucking network ever. All Things Magical, Comedy. Magical Bill Burr put it together. Oh, and they wow. were like, they were like, we don't want to create a network that gets sold for a ton of money, and the artists don't make anything because we're artists also. Yeah, like they're not businessmen; they're artists. Bill Burr is an artist. Al Madrigal is an artist, and they were like, so we're gonna put together this network. And they called me up, and they're like, we're putting it together. You want to be a part of it? And I pushed it off for like a year. I was like, eh. I kind of want to do my own thing. I, I want to own it. And they're like, no, no, you'll still own it. You'll do. We just want to incorporate you into the product, the larger product we're trying to sell, to help him bring in advertisers, to bring in. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm still on the network. I haven't used an advertiser once. Not because I don't want to, but just because it's like, first of all, because I do the podcast by myself. So it sounds right now, everyone listening to this podcast is like, you talking about not having an advertiser is worse than you just having an advertiser. <laughs> right? So I'm sorry. Anyway, we'll talk about it after. Yeah. But yeah, I'll t- yeah. Um, so, so then. You, what, did you have to move to L.A. to do the E thing? Yes, I had to move to L.A., but the thing is, when you're in your first year deal and it's your first TV gig, you're on a three-month pickup for the first year, and then it rolls into your two-year contract. So I had a three-year deal, and my first year was like every three months, they could cut it off. Yeah. And I had a – like my show was huge in Miami, and I was like, I am not leaving a radio show that's – solid and i'm making great money for that market i was making huge money for that market i'm not gonna leave to come here quit and lose my job in three months yeah and so they built me a radio studio next to ryan seacrest to do my radio show like i said this this shit doesn't happen you know it just worked out perfectly you know so every morning and what's weird is when i first moved here when I watched Ryan seacrest on tv it was like untouchable but then when you see him past you every single morning you're like Oh, he's a real person. Yeah. You know, it, it, it gives you that perspective like, oh, I can accomplish this too. I can put in the work and accomplish. Because it makes it all real once they – because he would pass me every – hey, what's up, yo? You know, every single morning. I'm like, you know, it, once you're there and in it, you're like, this – I can, <laughs> all I can do think, this. All I can think is Ryan Seacrest being like, what's up, yo? And you're like, that's actually my last name. Yeah, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but uh, did uh, – so do you – would you – would you – who would you rather his career? Ryan Seacrest or Kevin James? I would, I, I would say those. Are, I would say Kevin Hart. Why? I like. Well, you know what I? I'm trying to think of polarizing. Polarizing as in because no, Kevin, I got you. I got yeah, you. like like because. Kevin well, okay. James is a straight like yeah. He morphed it into sitcom movies it's movie true. star. 
And then, but is he polarizing though? It's Kevin James polarizing. No, he's not polarizing as a talent, but like, but like, as far as like Ryan Seacrest is an enterprise. Yes, I would say I would say Ryan Seacrest because longevity. Yeah. Kevin James has long, see you're dealing with like I, they both enterprise in different ways. Okay, then then Kevin Hart or Ryan Seacrest? I would say Ryan uh, Kevin Hart because I like comedy. So do you see yourself? Do you, my point as is a, if you a, if you got offered if you got offered to host. Say Seacrest is like, I'm retiring from American Idol, God Idol, American God Idol. What, what the fuck? American, American, American God yeah. American Idol. But like, is that some, that's a show you could very easily morph into yeah. and host. Mm-hmm. In a heartbeat, mm-hmm. I could see you definitely hosting it. Well, thank you. Would, you. would you see yourself, Doing, is that your path? Or okay, do you let see me ask your, you this. Is it my choice to host that show or be able to sell out shows all over the country doing stand-up? Which would I do? You'd be able to do both. So, so that's but, my, if that, but, but if you had to pick one. That's what I'm saying. Is the question oh. if I had to pick one, which one would it be? No, that's not the question. Okay, what's the question? Because yeah, because I always incorporate stand up will be always be something I do. Yeah. But my point is, do you want to follow in the actor footsteps and still sell at comedy clubs or the hosting personality? Do you want to not be Michael Yo and be like Kevin James? Kevin James is not like Kevin Hart is Kevin Hart, but he's more an actor. Yeah. Like he's not You're gonna right. he's not gonna host like But he, he's acting as himself. He's definitely acting as himself. So it's not like he's doing a drama or anything like yeah. that. So I, I would – okay. He will. He did about uh, – yeah. yeah. Well, I will put it like this. Seth Rogen, Jason Segel, where I'm writing stuff, I, but do stand-up, but I can host. Like, I want to do it all. And I know that sounds selfish, but I believe I can host a show. I believe I can be an actor as myself. I'm not talking Leonardo DiCaprio. Shit. Yeah. I'm talking about being myself. And uh, you know, like like a sitcom, like I can see. Things I believe like that. that. I believe that about me. Yeah. I believe that I can keep hosting a travel channel for twenty years. Yeah. I, I want to be there forever. I'd like to be there. I'd like to be there at the point, but I'd like to be famous in the sense that people love my sitcom, and that I want. I really want to get to the place where people go. I can't. It's so cool that he still has a show at Travel Channel. Yeah. That he never forgot. That's where he started, and that's where his. You know, my ultimate goal is to do and stay in celebrity pop culture. Like I, my perfect life is is and if acting comes along, it's great. But like a show like The Insider, like I'm on on CBS, then go to my talk show, daytime, nighttime, or a panel show that I'm on, and then you know do stand up. Yeah. You know, like I, that. I love. I love stand up, but like my friend, I was talking to a good friend. He's like, stand up as you grow is always there. You know, it doesn't because I always thought, look, I got to road dog it, you know, to be considered a stand up. And a lot of people, like a lot of old school thinking is you got to do that. But now when you talk to networks, they're like, no, that's great that you can do that, but we want you to do this. And so yeah. you sort of got to do that. Like my thing feeds off the other. Like people come out because I know. Like that haven't seen me do stand up, obviously, because they see me on TV. Yeah. So I sort of got to keep feeding that beast as nope. I grow in stand up. My, my, I'm, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying. And I, I'll say that mine is a little opposite in the sense that I think people that go to see my stand up go to see my stand up and don't necessarily, they will find Travel Channel, but I don't think anyone that watches Travel gotcha. Channel comes to see me do stand up. Gotcha. Like I think there are, now it's turning around where some people are like, hey, we love, we love your Bert the Conqueror or whatever. I didn't know you did stand up, and and I like it that way a little bit. I don't. That's awesome. Because and travel's been very cool about going. Hey, your stand up's your stand up. 
and your travel channel works, your travel channel work, and there there is no crossover. Yeah. My stand-up's whatever the fuck it is. I talk about blowjobs, talk about anything. Yeah. My podcast is what the fuck it is. Uh-huh. Like I wouldn't talk this way on travel channel. I wouldn't curse nonstop. Yeah. But I leave Thursday to go down to Comic Con. This will already have been out, so there's no problem telling you why. But like we go to Comic Con to cast for travel for trip flip. We go to Comic Con, we go to Arizona, then come back to Comic Con, then go up to Long Beach to look for people. And I, I can do a show Thursday night and then cast in the morning and be a different it's awesome. This, but I'm still the same person. I'm me. I'm just not cursing. It's me around my kids, you yeah. know? No, and, and that's what's great about the industry. Like, you can have different levels. And I would love – and my thing is I used to do a bunch of news programs like Fox News, CNN. And i kind of taken that out because I want to be represented more as, like, a comedian. You know, so now I'm taking my host – I'm a host, but I want them to be like, oh, he's a comedian – and he can host. Eventually, I want to get to that point where, oh, he's a stand-up. He's a comedian. We've seen his work. And by the way, he can host. That like, was, that's the order I'm trying to go right it's now. A, it's a really good um, – I'm, I'm in that position. Yeah. Where they go, he's a comedian, but he can definitely host a show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm like – I can't host like you can. You have, that, you have a little bit of different muscle than I do. Uh-huh. Like I can be me and host. Yeah. But like, and like I can host events because I just pretend it's stand-up. Yeah. But like you could probably like – you could probably do like real legit, like post the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, I like, mean, I, I could, mean, but that, that's I have a hard time reading out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole thing is like I love and just you know doing stand up in L.A. for three years and traveling. These casting directors go to the improv, they go to the comedy store, and let me tell you, when I go into auditions now, it's so weird because when I started, when I used to go to auditions, I used to try to be like who they wanted the character to be. If I was an outdoorsy guy, I would try to God, be that's outdoorsy. Really interesting. But when I started stand-up, I really found out who I was, and people accepted that. When you see an audience in front of you, four or 500 people or 300 or 200, really accept you for being you, yeah. you kind of lose the sense of insecurity. You're like, and now when I go into casting, it's like, all right, I'm here. You know, this is me. Well, you need to be outdoorsy. Well, I don't like the outdoors, so I'm going to play it like me. You know, I'm yeah. going to reverse it where, hey, I'm doing this outdoor show, but I hate spiders. You know, it's like yeah. that's the type of vibe I bring. So it's a thing where now I know more about myself and I'm more confident because of stand And I know it's stand-up. It's totally flipped. And since I started stand-up, my career has shot up because the thing I noticed when going into castings is I was on the set of Modern Family. Julie Bowen, Ty Burrell, funniest show on TV right now, considered the funniest comedy on TV right now. They heard I did stand-up, saw some clips, and they were like, you do stand How do you do that? Big actors. Actors are amazed of stand-up yeah. comedians, and they get so much respect. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I noticed at castings. It's like, oh, my God, I saw you at the improv. That's great. You can host. Here's your script. Yeah. You know what I mean? And once, you get, once I fully get to that point, I think it's always ticking up. But the more I do it and the more people see me as a comedian – and then moving into a host, that's where I want to be. And I think it's so awesome that stand-ups, really good stand-ups, like you can't – no one else can do that craft. It's you know a, what I mean? No neat, one else. It's a neat no one else. fraternity. I say fraternity. It there is. Are, I mean, but it's men and women. But it's a, neat, it's a neat subculture to be a part of to know that literally my friends are actually yeah. the funniest people in the world. You know what's crazy is that I've heard people that are not funny – say they're comedians and they get respect you know it's just funny like when you're in rooms and somebody says they're a comedian they're automatically treated different by a casting director yeah because you get the respect because actors 
respect comedians, stand-up comedians so much. Yeah. So much. Like huh. Tom from Tom Cruise. I wish I'd known that earlier in my career. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. When was the last fist fight you were in? Eighth grade with a guy named Matama Drake. Really? And it was a one-punch affair. I punched him as hard as I could because I was going up for a layup. I said foul. He said, no, it wasn't. We got into a little pushing match, and I popped him as hard as I could. And I hit him, and his face goes, and he goes, what's up? And I was like, nothing, your ball. And that was the fight. That was literally the only f- – I've been in like three fights. Really? Three fights? Yeah, I think because I'm tall. Tall people don't get in fights. Well, yeah, tall and you're muscular. Like you're, you're a muscular dude. Yeah, so. but I, was, I mean I was all uh, – yeah, I get But I don't think – but I'm not intimidating. When was the last time you talked shit – that could have ended in a fight, but it didn't, and you walked away, and you went, oh, that was kind of close. That was, uh, I do that a lot. I did it last night. I did it, like, probably, like, I do it in my car a lot. Like, I'm stupid. I'll get out of my car. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's a Florida thing. That's because you were in Is Florida. Is Florida? Too long. Yeah. That's I a will, Florida thing. I will get out of my Dudes car. Dudes in Florida get out of their car the second shit happens. Yeah. Step out of your car. What the fuck's up? I do. I I can recall probably doing, and I'm surprised I haven't been shot yet. But I did. I've done it like ten times. I've actually in Austin, Texas, I put somebody off their bike because you know, like they bumped my car. Yeah. And no, 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 no. Here's the thing: the the biker was being an asshole and kind of like wasn't on the crosswalk, but like kind of swung in, and I didn't see him because he was an asshole. Yeah. And then he kind of like. You know, I hate when people hit the front of my car when you're on a crosswalk. Dude. In L.A., they do that all the time. I got out of my car. I was like, what the fuck? Let's go. And I pushed him off his bike. And I was like, holy shit, what am I doing? And I got back in my car. But this was like 10 years ago. But I got out of my car the other day because somebody pushed my hood. Because I was just a little bit in the crosswalk. Just a little bit in it. And like L.A., they treat like a cross. Like people take advantage of the crosswalk in L.A. Yes. I've seen people talk in the middle of crosswalks like literally i wish i had a car that could hit people and hurt them a little but not hit but not hurt them too bad yeah you know, people need to learn people need to learn oh like, oh i i hate crosswalks in la i uh i last night i was with i was with we were did like a parent function and all the it's all the kids are there but and and uh it's at pit fire pizza yeah and these two they have a pool to a ping pong table there and these two kids, brothers, I'm guessing brothers, they were acting like lunatics together, and they both looked alike, are jumping up and standing on the jumping up and dancing on the pool table like it's the LA riots on the ping pong table. And what happened was one of our friends' kids did it, and I went, "No, off the pool table. Exactly. Off the ping pong table." And he saw me and got off, and he was like, "Sorry." And I was like, because in my head, I'm like, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Yep. Your parents didn't see that, but I saw it. Mm-hmm. And you, I'm not going to let you act like that because your parents wouldn't want you acting yeah. like that. And then the two original brothers jumped up and they started da- dancing. And I go, hey, I said off the fucking pool table. Now I'm cursing. Yeah. Now it's a little bit like, <laughs> and I don't know these children, children's yeah. parents. And I said to my buddy Jeff, I go, takes a fucking village. And he goes, unless his dad's here and we've got to fight his dad because you just told his kids to get off the fucking ping pong but table. But you need to be a better parent. That's what I said. I was, you I was need defending to be a better it. parent. I was like, listen, if my kid is doing something fucked up, mm-hmm. I want another parent to be like, hey, yeah, that's not acceptable behavior. Your parents, even if your parents think it is, it's not. You know what? I, I've seen parents like, uh, parents, parents, like I feel bad for my generation because we're pussies. Like we're terrible. Your, how, how old are you? I'm 38. Okay, God, like, you we're, look so young. We're, we're we're black and Asian. Black and Asian, that's my friend. That's the tsunami. No offense, Asians. <laughs> but that's the tsunami of youth. No, they. 
it's a thing where my generation, like, it makes me so mad when I walk into restaurants. And this happened to me and my friend. He has two kids in Houston, Texas. I walk into a restaurant. He's there. They're on iPads. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Th- th- you know, I grew up where we talked at the family table. My dad would slap the shit out of me if I had some device. At, at Oh, you if, know, I wh- tried playing, uh, if I tried playing uh, uh, all pro QB. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was that what it was called? Yeah, the little handheld. The yeah. Li- yeah. So, QB pro. But, but just the line moving yeah. up. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Talk to your kids. He's like, well, that's the only way I can keep them quiet. And in my head, I'm like, you're a punk ass parent. You know, yeah. because my dad could keep me quiet. You know, but I think. I think it's a thing where they're putting them in cars. Like I saw a commercial where a lady's like frustrated. I can't keep my kids quiet. And then a little uh, little cartoon character pops up and says, oh, well, just put on direct TV. It's like people now it's being enforced. Don't be a parent. Just throw on the TV. We, we do. We, we let our kids watch way too much TV. Uh-huh. And, and they get on iPads way too often. But there is something to like eat. We eat dinner every time I'm home. We eat dinner together, and we do like these little rituals, like favorite part of the day, worst part of the day. See, that's great. I'm going to think of an animal, and you're going to – Isla's so – I mean, I love Isla. I was about to say she – but Isla's so predictable. Yeah. You can – her first animal is always going to be a phoenix fox. She's like, I'm thinking of an animal, and you're like, is it a phoenix fox? And she's like, how did you know? And you're like, you always start with phoenix fox. Um, You got to head out? Oh, no. I got a meeting in like 20 minutes. Okay. Well, let's – we'll wrap it up. We've done – a solid hour twenty. There we go. Um, what? Uh, so, you think what haven't I asked you that I'd like to ask you? <laughs> I'm interested in. I'm dealing with like man shit right now, so okay, I'm interested in like man shit, like where where men are going. Where do you see the man going? Because you know, with a lot of like, like I feel like feminism has stepped up to the plate. I don't know how women aren't controlling the world. They control everything. Yeah. Like really, how? What are they not doing to control the world? Because we know they control us. Yeah. Like I, I, I was in my bedroom. The girl I'm dating points into the closet and goes, whose dress is that? I'm freaking out. I, I'm loyal, right? Yeah. And I'm freaking out. And they test us for just to have fun. Yeah. And I was like, finally, after all this debating in my head, I was like, that's your dress. She was like, hmm, good answer. But she just did that to fuck with me. You know what I mean? That's how they control us. And, the, you know, women are always testing us. And they're so much smarter than us. And they know how to play us. And they're worse than us. That's the thing. They're worse than us. If you look at research, they cheat more than we do. Yeah. We just don't know about it. I always think that us. about my wife because I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I, was, I was like, I know that I've looked before. Yeah. I've looked. But I've never done it. And I was like, in my head, I don't think my wife's ever looked. I'm like, she's had to have looked. And I was like, what is, wonder what she looks at. Like, what's her yeah. thing? Like, I know. Like, if you go to my search history, you can find out what porn I watch. Yeah. You can find out what turns me on. You can find a lot by my but search But you're not going to find nothing on her computer. No. I, she's Cosmopolitan.com. Yeah. I tried, I tried typing in B-L-A-C-K-O-C-O-C-K. Nothing. 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 You get to black cocks wet and it still hasn't popped up well all i know is when i type in bank of america bang bus comes up first on mine it's like b8 bang bus <laughs> bang bus bang bus do you mean red tube you porn wait, wait what are you doing oh bank of america oh someone oh. must be watching you i get it your computer's talking back to you have you seen this hashtag that women are doing these signs women are doing like uh i need a man to open my jar no okay so um it's it's so it's the anti-feminist group. It's fe- women 
who are anti-feminist and they're gotcha. like and they're like they're basically saying well yeah i'm an i know i'm a woman and i'm a proud woman but who's going to open my jars men obviously yeah we can't get rid of all men and feminists are like you can open your own oh, fucking jar, jar. it's like yeah. that opening the jar was the but, whole but i think like i date a girl who's very traditional Likes the door open. White? But I'm, I'm, yes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm that dude. You know, I like to open the doors. I like to do that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where she wants to be a mom and just hang your out. Dad, at home. Was your dad black? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's, uh, I think it's a Texas thing. I think it's a Texas thing, but I think brothers have always, uh, maybe it's got to be generational because I was going to say brothers always have had a, 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 a way to treat a woman like I, yeah. I've always feel well, I like, know like my dad is always like yes sir yes ma'am this you know is very women it, against feminism that's yeah. what the thing is I'll tell you the hashtags keep talking no so like when I grew up it was always open the door do this say thank you yes ma'am yes sir yep and then when I that's come generational here, I think you're right yeah my kids don't say that they don't say yes ma'am yes sir at all but I think that's also because we grew up in the south I grew up in Florida yeah I grew up like Texas that's what you did if you were a kid and you didn't say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, that was a problem yes. when I was growing up. You know what I mean? So that's the way I learned. And then what's surprising is when I come to L.A. and when I used to date before my girlfriend, uh, I opened a car door and girls would be like, what are you doing? Like they were shocked. And I didn't know how many people went on. What is those dates called where you split the bill? D- uh, dating Dutch. Dutch. I've never heard of that till I moved here. Really? Not even in Florida. I've never heard of that. I've heard of it. I just never. I mean, I've never done it. I've I was never. Always, I was always taught if you're going to try to fuck somebody, you better pay for it. No, it's like <laughs> why? I don't know. That's embarrassing for to me. If you're a guy and say, "Hey, let's go Dutch," it's like, well, you asked her out, you know. So here are the lines. You ready? Yeah, give it to me. I her. don't need feminism because it defiles my dreams of being a loyal, loving, stay-at-home wife. I don't need feminism feminism because men in my life care about me and respect me. I don't need feminism because I don't think it's necessary to belittle an entire gender in name in the name of equality. I don't need feminism because I'm not a victim. And there are women doing it, but it sounds like things like dudes have written and then given to their chicks and been like, "Can you hold <laughs> hey, that up? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a selfie of you doing that. You mind? Right? Like that? The the only other thing that in 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 uh like I want my daughters to be. I'm going to teach my daughters jujitsu just so that go. just for so that they can tap motherfuckers out if a guy gets frisky in college. Yeah, I want to throw him an arm bar or a fucking rear naked choke and be like, "Go to sleep, motherfucker! I'll wake you up and I will have taken pictures of your small dick <laughs> and send them out worldwide." Yeah, no, but I like your question. How do I see men? I I see like I don't I I feel like in America at least, and I don't like I, I don't travel much, but like men are kind of morphing into not being the head of the household anymore. You know what I mean? It's kind of passing the baton. You know, because women, uh, to me, women are stronger. Women are smarter. They control everything. Kids these days look up to their moms more than their dads. And it's not not a bad thing. I just think we've passed the baton. My kids don't even know that I pay for everything. I said said the other day, I go, whoa, 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 a little respect. I pay for all this shit. They're like, mom does it. And they said, mom gets all the money. I said, how does mom make money? And then she go, they go by sitting behind the computer. And I go, no, 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 no. She's doing taxes. Like, she's do, but, she runs our money, but me going on the road pays the bills. They're like, no, you're just having fun. See? But that's, that's, that's how smart she is where she sits behind a computer and the kids think she's making the money. They're See, like, that's how smart. God. And you're doing the work. You're on the road. And it's like, oh, no, mom's doing it. Dude, They're I smarter could, than us. I could, I could do this with you all day. I wish you didn't have a meeting, but he does – Ladies and gentlemen. I'll be back, though. Yeah, let's come back. We'll do another no, one of these. Dude, this is awesome. Let's do one where it's subject-driven. 
Yes. We'll you, all have a bunch of topics, and we'll, we'll go topic out. to topics. I feel like you're one of those people that you, ha- you, you definitely know your view before you start speaking. Oh, absolutely. And, and we'll do uh, your celebrity pop culture one. Let's do that. I'm an expert, too. We'll do sl- I, what I'll do is I'll get someone to produce a list of things yes. and we'll go through and do it all. And we'll fly, we'll fly through it. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. All I appreciate dude. it, man. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.